0: Mark, chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. She threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him uh, his disciples, and he saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury, wanting it cast in all that she had, even all, even all, even all her living. Over the next month, obviously, we'll be looking at the birth of Christ and some of those texts, dealing and surrounding with the events surrounding his birth. But this morning, we're going to continue in our study through the book of Mark. As we reach the end of this chapter, Uh, We come to a very familiar story here. This, This is literally just days before the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's in the temple. Here's what I believe. He wants to move the focus off the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees. And he's addressed that. Mark, Matthew chapter 23 is a little more thorough than Mark 12 in his confrontation with that group of people. But finishing it, he highlights here what's going on. Now, you've got to understand this, the time of the Passover, so Jerusalem is bustling, but the temple right now is just packed with people. The crowds are immense, and there are literally not hundreds of thousands just filling the city, but these people are all trying to get into the temple. And Christ, the Bible says, positions himself, verse 41, Jesus sat over against the treasury. Now, in Herod's temple, there were thirteen boxes stationed throughout the temple. Each one was for a different offering. But he's sitting there over against the treasury. Look what it says: and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Now, can you imagine this morning if we put the offering plates up here on the front of the platform? And I sat on one side and had Pastor Bob sit on the other and watched those that gave and how much they gave and how they gave. You'd say, Pastor, I don't believe that's very appropriate. I don't either. That's why not. I don't do it. I don't count our offerings. I couldn't tell you in this church who tithes, who doesn't tithe, how much they give to missions. Uh, I'm going to let God concern himself with that. But obviously, Jesus Christ wants to give us a visual illustration here. How differently our lives would be lived if we truly were convinced that Christ sees everything that we do. The good and the bad. A lot of times we think, well, he probably notices the bad, but he doesn't notice the good. How much of our even best intentions and finest endeavors are not done with a pure heart or pure motives or with fervor and passion and honesty and sincerity? And that's not the message this morning, but it might not be a bad idea just to consider the fact that whatever you're doing in church this morning, God's paying attention. However you gave and however much you gave, Christ is actually paying attention. Now, the Bible says many rich were here and they were coming and giving. Look what it says. Many that were rich, verse 41, cast in much. Now, this is before the day and age of electronic giving, credit cards and dollar bills so, with the money that was being thrown in to uh, uh, these collections, there these coins were making noise, and the the bigger the pharisaical spirit of the giver, the more noise would be made in the giving. You you can tell the difference in the sound of a coin from mite to. Uh, Gold coin and silver coin, they sound differently. These people knew what they were doing and drawing attention. This was an obvious problem among the Pharisees. Now, for the average person, you would say, how silly, how childish. But if Christ had to address it, it was not just a problem, an occasional problem, but an ongoing problem. Here's what he said in Matthew 6, 1 through 2. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Can you imagine? The pharisaical heart, your your reward is not coming from God, but simply the uh, smile or the appraisal or the approval of men. I can't imagine giving to have someone else pat me on the back or smile at me. I cannot imagine that, but God says it happens. Therefore, when thou doest sign alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Can, can you imagine, Pastor Robert, before I get I want to make sure you blow on the the trumpet. And I don't know, you know, every, every time you read, uh, uh, do a little background study on these kind of things, these kind of texts, everyone has their idea that these temple boxes, maybe they had uh, in order for people to put money in but not take money out, uh, something like a shofar in the top of it, and you drop the coins in and they drop into the box. Well, that would make a lot of noise. I don't know. I don't need the explanation. All I know is these people were seeking to get the attention of others by the amount they were giving in church. Let me help you out. Anything we do should not be for the praise of men or for the attention of men. I've had people ask me, why, why don't we put out there in big screen lights and, and let people know what we're giving to missions? Or why don't we let people know about our special offering? We have lost our minds if that's ever our goal or purpose. God help us to do everything that we can, but with a simplicity of heart that says, who cares if anyone else knows? God knows and God is paying attention to what you're giving, what your family is giving, what this church is giving, uh, and our intention should never be for someone else to know so they can be impressed by what we're doing. Now, when the rich come, and let me just say, I know... We're living in the United States of America, which was based on capitalism, and now we are racing uh, not towards socialism, we're already socialistic towards communism, and in our philosophy that is being taught that riches are an evil thing, and those it, the hypocrisy of that with the, the billionaires, uh, but... God made the rich and the poor, and it's not a bad thing for someone to have money and someone else to have less. God's just concerned with what you do with your money. I thank God for the businessmen that we have in this church and the way they channel their funds to help us reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for Russell Anderson and his testimony the Bible colleges that he's built and the church buildings that he's financed and the, the incredible ways he's invested in the kingdom of God. And I have, Wish there were more men like that. I heard recently we had three different men come through and all three mentioned the same businessman that I had no idea. I, I knew of him, but I had no idea all that he had done to finance projects around the world. Huge projects, large sums of money. And I thought, you know, it's amazing. Here's a man that's doing all that and no one else even knows. Because he's not beating his chest. he's not publishing it in newspapers. he's simply saying, "Let me be a participant. It's not the wealth is a bad thing. It's doing the wrong thing with your wealth that's a bad thing. Amen." Amen. First Timothy 6:17 says, "Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Riches are fleeting. I mean read uh, this. Week, I don't remember the exact sum. I think it was a, a hundred million that uh, Mr. Musk, the Austin resident, lost recently uh, in the last 12 months just in stock value. Uh, it's not a problem if you can lose that and don't even notice it. Amen. How many of you can lose a hundred million and still be okay tomorrow? You've got to have it to lose it, right? But here's the command, that they that they have money, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. And the more God gives you, the more ready you ought to be to distribute. If you're blessed with money, use it for His honor and His glory. And let me just remind you, by global, global standards, we're all rich. I was on the phone this week with... Some of those involved in the Malawi churches, the Malawi projects. And uh, we are, once again, church, I'm so excited. I was going to tell them in tonight, but I'll tell you right here in the middle of the service. Uh, my plan was to get 50 or 60,000 of those discipleship booklets uh, over to Malawi. We got it interpreted, and I thought, because of a series of events, that project was dead in the water. I turned it over to God and said, whatever you want to do. Well, as of this weekend, it's racing full speed ahead. Amen. Thankful to hear about that. But in that conversation, one of the ladies that I was speaking with asked, so what did you do for Thanksgiving? We had about 50 people in our house, and we did turkeys and a great time, and I was thinking about all the excess food. And she said, the irony of the moment, I said, what was that? She said, Pastor Isaac, who's the main pastor there where the orphanage is at, she said he called us five minutes before uh, we were ready to eat our Thanksgiving Day meal. And uh, she said, not thinking thoroughly about what I was saying, I asked him if he would pray over our Thanksgiving Day meal. And during that prayer, I began to weep and think, here are so many of our Christian brethren literally starving to death, and I have one of them praying over a feast of excess. You know what we do? When we think of wealth, we think of someone else that has something more that I don't. Instead of saying, I've been blessed beyond measure. We have two, we have two of everything. Who would have thought? And we're still not satisfied. Two cars, two vacations, two coach purses two blue suits, two gray suits, two black suits, two pair of nice tennis shoes, and it's still not enough. Let me ask you, church, if you just consider where you were at 10 years ago and what you have today, just what's happened to you as far as your increase in wealth and possessions in the past decade? Isn't it strange that we talk about the rich and what they could get, and if I had more, what I would do, when basically everyone living in here is in the upper percentile of wealth in the world. So none of us have an excuse. But whatever the case. And here's here's the problem, church, before we move forward, let's just be honest. Most Christians pass the test of adversity. That's why you're sitting here today. You overcame adversity, not once or twice, but dozens of times over the course of your Christian life. Most overcome those tests, but most fell the test of prosperity. Prosperity has rotted to the core of the average Christian. Amazing to think how many found it so easy to give 10, 15 or 20 years ago when your salary was 30 or 40 or 50,000, dollars 60,000 But now the salaries have increased. Your net wealth has not doubled. It's it's risen drastically. You thought COVID was going to bring an end to you financially. And it just made you rich in a lot of different ways. Richer. And yet with the increase of wealth, we struggled to give And people that used to give, used to tithe, used to be generous, when they had little, now struggle. They find it a great pain to do anything above and beyond the most basic. Amen. Now let me ask you this. While Christ sat over and beheld how the people cast money, how they cast money, he's observing the rich, he's not impressed at all. Not impressed. Let me ask you this. Would Christ be impressed at all by your giving today? Not just on Sunday or Wednesday, but just by your generosity in general. Would Christ, is anybody impressed? Not that you're supposed to be impressing men, but it, is your wife impressed? your kids ever impressed look at that it's such a giver mom is such a giver to me there is nothing in life more obnoxious than those who live to get and refuse to give that to me there's nothing in the world more obnoxious than that those that take advantage of others so look what happens verse 42 there came a certain poor widow now Maybe everyone there could see that she was poor, but most would not identify her immediately as a widow. Christ knew these things. This is a double whammy. We're we're talking about someone who's going to struggle immensely just day to day to financially make it extreme difficulty in finances, which was literally a way of life. And we ought to consider the poor church, especially the widows, God help us! I have this incredible pastoral struggle at Capital City because our widows are some of our best givers. I've never—I shouldn't say rarely—rarely, rarely, if I ever had to look at someone and say, you know what, I, I think I'd be careful. I don't—I don't know if I'd give all of that or give that much. You say, Pastor, you would do that? Yes, I've actually told people that if we had a special offering or. Faith, promise, whatever. People come and talk to me about some extreme giving. and Consider this for a minute. When when the Bible says, let's put this into context for a minute. She threw in two mites. Now, basically, here's what you're talking about. 100th. This is the smallest Roman coin. This is basically a hundredth of a denarii, or or what a person would make, a day's wage. So... Just, just for mathematical facilitation of what I'm trying to say, let's say someone in the poorer income bracket, uh, one of our young men, maybe that's mowing yards, uh, makes $100 a day. So that would be $1 would be the worth of what she had in a mite. So for her to come with two mites, $2, but this was it. This is all she had, and she's going to give it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If we had a special offering and we had someone that said, Pastor, all I have in my house and to my name is $2, and we're taking up a special offering, and I'm thinking about giving those $2, you know what your pastor would say? You know what? God's going to provide this. God's going to meet the need. How about if you keep that I'd reach in my pocket and pull out $50 and give it to the person? I'm just telling you, that's what I would do. I probably wouldn't be the one to say, you know what, let's give those $2. Now, am I doing that right or wrong? That's the struggle. I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to be obedient. And if he tells you to give that, I want you to give that. But do you understand my pastoral struggle? And here's what I don't ever want to do because we have widows that that give very large amounts and they give away everything that they had. But I believe in the the widow protection program that we have in this church. Uh, You say, Pastor, who's on that committee? Me. How does it run? I know the widows and I know their finances and I know what they would do if I did not occasionally hit the emergency brake. But then there's that positive saying, God, I don't want to ever overstep my bounds. I, I don't, I don't ever want because if you look in the Bible, the biblical example of, of widows and what they gave and how they were blessed. Uh, several of our eternal examples in Scripture are widows that gave everything they had, and God blessed it. So there's that. But here's look, look at the rebuke in verse forty of the hypocrites. These. Hypocrites, they, they send the chief seats of the synagogues and to devour what? Widows' houses. Sick is the person. Sick is the child that takes advantage of a widow mother. Sick is the church that takes advantage of a widow's giving. Sick is the televangelist that misspends the sacrificial giving of a widow live a life of excess, and God says, uh, you, you better watch out. That will be punished. But here she comes with her two mites, and she gives it all. And Christ noticed that he doesn't stop it. He doesn't weep over it. He doesn't set up a special widow fund box in the temple. Now, church, I'm going to be honest with you. I know... A little bit about our widows, try to pay attention to be helping a blessing. If I were sitting here and I were to see that widow come with all of her living to cast it in, my natural reaction would be to stop it. Or immediately after she gave it, send Robert out the back door to catch her on her way out. To put money in her purse. Now let me ask you this church. With all the teaching in 1st 2nd Timothy. Don't you think that we as a church. just going to get real personal. How, how many think that we ought to be aware enough of our widows. That it, even if we have widows that do that kind of thing. Our church would be a big enough blessing. Where they still would not struggle. on From day to day. And hold, on, hold on, I want to see your hands on this one. I want to see Capital City Baptist has a church body saying, we ought to be aware enough of their cars, we ought to be aware enough of their clothes, we ought to be aware enough of their personal circumstances and say, I want to, I want to make sure I am part of the body of Christ that never lets a widow at Capital City Baptist Church do without something she needs because of a of blindness now not that it's willful but it's easy to live unaware and simply by not paying attention oh god help us for that never to happen but here's what christ does he he calls look what it says verse 43 he called unto him his disciples christ notice he calls the attention now hold on for a second So he's sitting there. You have all these people giving. You have people noticing what's going on at this point, right? And they're impressed by the people with money, you know, the the great garments and the big bags and the loud clanging, and they're impressed by what's giving and going on. But here comes this widow, and she drops in two of the smallest coins, and Christ has been observing the whole thing. And then uh, whether he gets up or he simply cries out, motions i i believe christ was very discreet in whatever he did but whatever the case he calls 12 men together and he says guys did you see that widow what just happened there That's the most impressive thing that I've seen in this temple. Because all those fakes and all those frauds and all those who are coming up here, clamoring for attention and acting as if they were giving some kind of large offering. That woman and what she did was something special. Those two little coins meant more than those boxes being filled with gold and silver. And hold on for a second. It's more than just the disciples Because 2,000 years later, how many times has this text been read and preached? We're talking about 195 nations, people that know about this story, pastors all over the world that have preached about it because Christ highlighted it in eternal scripture. He brought it to our attention and he said, I want you to get your attention off all the fakes because there are plenty of those. Get your focus on someone who doesn't make much money but has a good heart and wants to give out of a spirit of generosity. Amen. And i notice noticed over the course of my life, 30 years of ministry, that the majority of giving in the average independent Baptist church is not done by the wealthy. It's financed by the poor. And whatever income bracket gets larger, the giving percentage gets smaller. As a rule of thumb, there are a few exceptions. Literally, if you look at those that are coming, the $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 income bracket, percentage-wise, those are the greatest givers. And once you get over 100000 the percentages shrink drastically. It's amazing how the more we make, the more we need. And Christians are tremendous at faking to be broke. I can't believe... How dull I was, Pastor Bob, for years pastoring. People talking about, I don't have any money. Uh, Right, because it's in your IRA, it's in some kind of investment, it's in your vehicles, you're overextended in your mortgage payment. That just means you don't have any money in your pocket because you're afraid you might have to give it and the Holy Spirit would speak to you. But as long as you have a credit card and the church doesn't accept credit cards, you're safe. Those that have simply means they came prepared to do something based on what the Holy Spirit might want to do. I don't know how many times over the past 30 years. I've heard people say, Pastor, boy, if I had it on me, I'd certainly be willing to give it. And I say, that's a lie, because if you were willing to give it, you would have brought it in preparation for the Holy Spirit of God to do something. Oh, may God help us to live his channels. Church, the moment that changed my life happened three hours south of here in Houston, Texas. I grew up in a Christian home. We were taught to give. My dad was a giver. We were raised around Dole Johnson. Dole was a very generous giver. But it's not like generosity is a natural trait for most people. And I it, I had no problem tithing. I had no problem giving admissions. I had no problem giving offerings. That wasn't the issue, but there has to be a moment in your life, a life-changing moment, when you understand the, the principle of all, all. That God's the owner of all. And He can ask for anything at any time, and He can have it. It's not an issue. Until you get to that point, you're going to struggle with everything in the Christian life, especially giving. My wife and I were down preaching Brother Cotty Salas' church, and they they had a special project going on. And when I say we had $100, I mean literally we had $100. I didn't have it on me. It was in my bank account. I remember back in the day that minimum balance requirement, there was no overdraft. That account would be closed, and you get to pay the fees of them processing all of that. We had $100. When I say $100, maybe $101, 102 I knew we didn't have enough to pull that out but that's what we had in our account and that night the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of my heart during that project he said you go to the ATM machine you pull that out and you come back here now you got to understand the spiritual struggle for a lot of reasons it wasn't the hundred dollars it was the closing of the account and the process fees and all the headache I'd have to go through to reopen the account but also we're in Houston now this is the old church I remember that area of town I mean, you, you would park as close to the front door as possible and race in as quick as possible to avoid from being robbed. That was the same church where they had twice people come in and hold them up and take the offering from the service. That building. So it's 11 o'clock at night, and I told my wife, here's what I want you to do. we got to find an ATM. And Lord have mercy on my soul. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the money and not get robbed, but I'm going to park right next to it, And I said, babe, if something happens, you hit the lock on the doors and you just drive out of here and call 911. Don't even try to save me. We found an ATM and I got out and I pulled out that $100 and I drove back to the church and preach was still there. And we were able to give it for the project. There was nothing more spiritually liberating in my life than that moment simply obeying the it wasn't a million dollars it it wasn't some drastic amount but for us it was literally Ms. solomon everything i didn't have mattress money i didn't have any money more i didn't have money to get home with but it was liberating to take that step of faith and say god here's here's why i believe god has used us over the past 30 years to in our work in Argentina, Mexico, and here, in our Spanish work, and and all of that personally and as a family, to channel what we've channeled because there was a moment where I said, God, if you want that silly hundred dollars, it doesn't matter. And it brought a life of liberating trust. Now let me ask you this. How can we trust God with our souls if we can't trust God with our money does that make any sense at all and to think people struggle with tithe i'll tell you what tithe is still in the bible leviticus 27 30 still says and all the tithe of the land whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees preacher I, I don't have a garden and i'm not planting any trees and i'm not bringing in any fruit god says all of the tithe it is holy I can't imagine someone with the gall to steal from God. It blows my mind. I can't fathom it. say, Pastor, you don't preach on tithe very often. I simply can't wrap my mind around a Christian, someone that calls himself a Bible believer and a child of God, and can't give God 10% of of what he has. It, It literally blows my brain cells trying to comprehend it. That's, that's something under the law. No, that was established way before the law. And Christ even spoke about it in the New Testament by saying it should not be left undone. But the issue to me goes way beyond a command. New Testament Christianity says 10%. To, to think who all we, we, if anybody here looked at your check What you make and what you actually bring home, what the government takes before you ever breathe, and what they plan on taking from you after you take that money home. And to think we struggle about giving to them. I wouldn't want to live my life with the curse of God or the hand of God against me. Yeah, we better read Malachi just as a reminder, just because we haven't done it in a long, long time. Malachi chapter 3. Christ, the Lord, is watching us give, and and Christ knows how much you give. It doesn't matter what your wife knows. Christ knows. The Lord knows. God knows. He knows how much. He knows how. With what spirit you give. Now, here's what's amazing. I'm one of those people. You give something to me. You don't give something to me. I'm not a taker in life. doesn't matter. But here's what does matter to me. Your spirit. I don't want anything given to me if it doesn't come from the heart. I'd just rather at the moment say, you know what, would you please take that back? I don't care the size of the gift. I don't care if it was a car or a gun or a $100 bill, whatever it is. If someone came to me and said, here, all you do is want, here. I said, no, thank you, please don't embarrass yourself. Please don't embarrass me. Uh huh. I wouldn't want my wife to give me something with that spirit. Can you imagine at Christmas? Here she comes, Christmas Day, throws the gifts on the ground. There you go. You wanted it, now you get it. I'm not even going to bother to open it. And people that give to God with that kind of spirit. Here's your 10%. I know you gave me life and breath and salvation and a future and a family. Here's your $122.18. I mean, they put it on the checks. Don't they, Jay? Don't they, Pastor Bob? I mean, literally. That blows my mind. It blows my mind they'd write any kind of check that isn't in a zero. $23.58 sense you are out of your spiritual mind i say spiritual there's nothing spiritual there but you're out of your mind three eight malachi three eight will a man rob god that's a, that's the most unbelievable question in all the bible will a man rob god now folks i gonna be honest with you if you came to my house and every time you came something disappeared I would make sure not to invite you back. I said, something's really wrong with that guy. I mean, it's supposed to be a friend, and yet he's taking stuff from my house. And yet you've robbed me, God says. But you say, Where have we robbed thee in tithes and in offerings. Oh, I believe there's still a lot of God robbers. Some do it purposely, and some have it. They They just have some kind of consultant or some kind of mindset that says, Whatever dollar I can get out of giving to God is going to benefit me. You cannot benefit. I'm just going to tell you right now, church, you cannot benefit yourself. I, I talked to givers, and I'm talking about true givers. There are actually few and far between. But the mindset, I, I think here's what happens. When God realizes he can trust you as a channel, the blessing, the door of blessing that opens from heaven, And when God says he can't trust you as a channel, the door that shuts, I need all the favor and the blessing of God. I can't imagine having the curse of God. Now, I'm not paying attention whether or not you tithe, but I want to be honest with you Uh, that as a pastor, it's frustrating to think that there are Achan's in the house of God with their hands. On what is God's. I don't want that in my house. I don't want that among my children. I don't, I don't want God's curse over my family. And the nation is being rebuked. Will the man rob God? Yes, he says. It's happening all the time. Look what it says in verse 9. You're cursed. I don't want to live with God's curse. Life is complicated enough without living with a curse over me. You've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse. Yeah. Not to some evangelist. I thank God for them. That's not where tithe belongs. Tithe belongs in God's house. He said, prove me if I'd open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And look what it says, verse 11. Here's another motivation given to God's work. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Young people, here's what you want to do in life. You've been to the zoo, and here's what you've done. You walk up. I don't care if it's a shark tank or the lion's cage or where the gorillas are at. No matter where you go, you know what you do? You stand behind the glass. You stand behind the fence, and you make all kind of crazy noises and faces, and you're really brave banging on the glass because you know that 10 inches is going to protect you. You look at that shark because you're not on the other side in the water. You're on this side protected. So you're doing whatever you want to do. You're smiling and having a great day. Because somebody is rebuking the devourer. But what if that glass breaks? That fence falls? Yeah, your spirit's going to change. Yeah, you're pranking that dog because the chain is eight foot and you're 12 feet away. What if the chain breaks? You know what God says about Satan? That chain, that chain is, hold on for a second. People, you don't want to believe the pastor, are you inventing doctrine? No, 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 no. God says that chain is based on how you're honest with God. I'm convinced people are dealing with all kinds of problems, family problems, health problems, financial problems. They would not have to deal with if they'd simply be honest with God in their finances. Thank you, preacher, for that. Amen. Let's, let's go back to our text. We got, I don't think we got rerouted. I think we got divinely directed. Look what it says in verse 43. So he calls unto him. And Christian, here's what I want to do this morning before we move on. If I'm going to be distracted, might as well get distracted for a while. Some of you came in this morning. You're dressed up in the tithe. You didn't give it. You're wearing it. You spent it at Macy, JP, JC JCPenney and Dillard's. Some of you drove into church in your tithe. I don't want to sit in that car. You're wearing the tithe on your faces and rings. Amen. Some of you ate Thanksgiving and traveled out of town on your tithe. Some people took a two-week vacation on their tithe. That's a scary place to be. Verse 43, he calls attention to the disciples. He saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in. Hold on for a second. The Lord's paid attention, but his value system is different than ours. He's judging what we give, not by what we gave, by what we have left over is how he judges. Now, let me just say, looking around, myself and my staff included, our giving cannot be that excessive. If you look at the parking lot, you look at the clothing, you look at the shoes, you look at the houses, you look at the style of living, I would say the majority of giving in 2022 is given out of our abundance. That's not an evil thing. It just doesn't impress God. Amen? Amen. Our giving, well... Hey, you know what? Uh, the, the advisors have told me that I need to have 1.7 million. Well, they told me last year I need to have 1.7 million when I retire, and now with inflation, I need to have 2.5 million. So I'm going to have to cut back on this, but especially mission, because if I'm going to retire with 2.5 million, trust me, the government's going to find a way to get their grimy hands on whatever you've been saving up anyways. And then you're going to get some kind of sickness. And the hospital was going to get 87% of what the government didn't get their hands on. Hey, Pastor, you trying to be a negative voice this morning? No, I'm not trying to be a negative voice. I'm trying to be a realist. But here's the bottom line. God was not impressed at all because he said when these fat cats go home, nothing in their life has changed. Nothing. But hold on for a second. This Now, let me ask you to give me the interpretation this morning because I've been thinking on this text for four or five days and I meditated on it last night, even waking up. Look what it says. You guys tell me, this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury, than all they combined, than all they individually. Here's what Christ said. I just... I want you to do the spiritual mathematical equation of the situation. Christ said, I sat here and I watched everything that happened. None of it impressed me until we came to this poor widow woman. Because when she cast in those $2, she knew today I go home. I have nothing in the cupboard. I don't have family that's bringing over food. I'm not going to someone's Thanksgiving Day table. Those $2 was everything I had to spend on food. That means I have absolutely nothing in my purse. And she was walking out the door saying, I'm going to be fasting until whatever that next moment was of income or pay or invite. He said she already had it in her mind. That's it. It's not a problem I would prefer to give this over to God and watch him do something special in my life. And Christ said, that is so uniquely unique. I want everyone for a long time to pay attention to what just took place. Because we mistake, based on amounts, what is truly impressive. He said, what that woman just did there. Those two dollars need to be recorded in eternal history. Because she gave more than all they would cast. Verse 44 For all they did what? They cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in, what's it say? All that she had, even all her living. Several missions conferences in Mexico, the Spanish church did this years ago, not the one I pastor now, but the one previous would ask the church to consider, the families to consider during a mission conference, given the equivalent of one week's salary uh, to help with missions. So we did that in Pachuca, Mexico, for a couple years. And we had participants. The participation would always surprise you who would and who wouldn't. It was never people with money. We had, in our church in Mexico, four, I pastored four millionaires in Austin. I don't pastor a millionaire like that, but the owner of Totis in Mexico, 1,200 employees just in Mexico City alone, was a member of our church. And they did a lot of things for our church, and I thank God for that. But it wasn't people on that financial level that were making this kind of commitment and involvement. But here's what I've seen I've traveled around the world. God's allowed me to visit 38 countries. I've watched people give Malawi, I've watched people give in Uganda. I have Keith. Occasionally send me a picture, hey, I preached at this church in the bush, and they gave me fifty eight bananas and a bag of potatoes and with great joy, I've been to the philippines i've I've been uh to to these countries where you've seen i've I've watched in Argentina when people had absolutely nothing, and they'd say, we had people ask us, pastor." Can I come work at your house to make some money to help giving that offering? Absolutely. But here's what's incredible. Incredible the prosperity in America, and yet we struggle. The depths of our heart, we struggle to do anything that might really cause us some kind of sacrifice. And here's what Christ said. Giving that is done out of your abundance does not make Christ crack a smile. So here's the question this morning. How often do we actually make Christ crack a smile?